You are listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 66, and this is the last episode of 2021, which I cannot believe. It is pouring rain in LA today, just how I like it. I love some weather. We have people baking cookies downstairs, and it's just a great day to hunker down and read a book. As I do every year on the last episode of the year, I will be going back in time to share my favorite books. We are all the way back to books from 2016 for this episode, but as a bonus, I will also be covering my favorite picks from books published in 2021. So you get double the book fun today. Everyone in my family is so happy to be on winter break. We're going away for a few days, but other than that, laying low and trying not to catch COVID. When I say that most people I know have COVID, I am not kidding. My parents went on their first date in 1958. I think that's the right year. Um, And they went to see West Side Story on Broadway. So as part of their Christmas present this year, we took them to see the remake, which was so fantastic. I hear it's not doing so well at the box office, and that makes me really sad because it is just such a beautiful film. So if you are a musical theater lover or just love a great movie and want to get lost and forget about the world for a while, go see West Side Story. Our almost six-month-old puppy, Rue, has graduated from sleeping in her crate, and she now sleeps on my face in our bed. She's an excellent bedmate, pretty much. She doesn't move at all and just wants to cuddle. She does like to sleep right by my head, so the other night we were cuddling away, fast asleep, until she started farting, and I realized that I was cuddling with the wrong end. It was definitely a cuddle-gone-wrong moment. Since I last recorded, I had to have an emergency root canal. This was not so fun. Why is teeth stuff just the most painful thing ever? I can't even think about teeth pain without my teeth actually hurting. I'm still quite tender where I had the root canal, which baffles me since they removed all the roots, right? Isn't that the point of the root canal? The doctor was amazing, but I hope I never have to see him again. And the other big news here is that my oldest son turned 16, which is just blowing my mind because I feel like I was 16 not that long ago. But what's really weird is that my husband and I were best friends when I was 16, so it just doesn't even make sense that I could have a 16-year-old now. But he is a delightful teenager, and he's a fantastic student and just totally reasonable as a human being, which makes parenting him at this age very easy. I realize this may not be a forever way of existing, but I am sure enjoying the ride right now. And since he's 16, he was able to go out and get his booster shot, which we were all thrilled about. I've been trying to get ahead in my advanced review copy reading, and I'm happy to say that I am all done with my advanced reading for January. I've read 10 books coming out next month, and I'm so, so excited to share some of them with you. And that means I can jump ahead to February, but winter break is for reading whatever I want. So that means catching up on some backlist from the past few years. I have a cart of books in my bedroom that I'm working my way through when I have the time. So I've told you about dog farts and birthdays and the state of my teeth, so we can move on to some bookish news. A 
According to The Guardian, the estate of George Orwell has approved a feminist retelling of 1984, which reimagines the story from the perspective of Winston Smith's lover, Julia. I find this idea totally fascinating. Orwell's 1949 novel is, of course, set in a dystopian future where Big Brother rules supreme and the thought police eradicate any individual thinking. Winston Smith is employed by the Ministry of Truth, and his job is to rewrite history in order to further Big Brother's narrative. And Winston in the novel is having an illicit affair with Julia, who works in the fiction department. So this latest retelling is called Julia, and it's written by author Sandra Newman. I am so ready for this novel. The cell that Malcolm X was believed to have occupied is going to be transformed into a library thanks to Reginald Dwayne Betts, who is a lawyer and a poet, and he was also a MacArthur Genius Grant in September of this year. He was incarcerated himself at 16 for carjacking, and he's talked about how he spent his nine years in prison writing and reading every day. Now he aims to set up a thousand micro libraries in prisons across the United States through a charity he started called Freedom Reads. I will leave a link to this charity in the show notes if you want to learn more about it. The first of these libraries opened in December in the cell where Malcolm X was believed to have stayed in the 1940s. And if you've been listening long enough to this podcast, you've heard me talk about my obsession with reading Rainbow. Well, it's coming back in early 2022. I didn't realize it has only been off the air for 15 years. Kind of feel bad. It was on TV for so long and I could have been watching it, but I wasn't. It's going to be called Reading Rainbow Live and it will feature a rotation of guests. The original Reading Rainbow began in the 80s and earned over 250 awards. And even though LeVar Burton will not be a part of the new iteration, I am still going to check it out at least once. Now, on to the books. So as I mentioned, this is a two-parter. First, I'm going to be starting with 2016 books. And then when that is done, I will share my top picks for 2021. So let me set the stage for 2016. I'm actually really excited to go back in time each year because it's so fun to think about what I was reading during these various moments of my life. Back then I had an 11 and an eight year old, so I definitely wasn't reading as much. I can be sure of that. And here I go with my favorite from 2016. The first is The Association of Small Bombs by Karan Mahajan. This is about two brothers who are living in Delhi in 1996. They are picking up their family's TV at a repair shop when a bomb detonates. This, it turns out, is one of many bombs that go off across the world. But this particular bomb in Delhi kills the boys, the brothers. Their friend survives and has to live with survivor's guilt, and his life is soon after guided by this horrific incident. This is a beautifully written book about independent thought and loyalty and empathy. It's definitely a harrowing read, but definitely a book worth picking up. And again, that is The Association of Small Bombs by Karan Mahajan. Next up for me in 2016 is Homegoing by Ya Jesse. 
You may find her name familiar from her most recent book, Transcendent Kingdom, which I also really liked, but I absolutely loved Homegoing. This is one of those books that I recommend to everyone. Yes, it's a novel, but it reads almost like a collection of short fiction. Because of the novel's construct, we move forward in time, so each chapter is about a different character. The novel begins in 18th century Ghana, with two half-sisters who are born in different villages and are completely unaware of one another's existence. One is captured and sold into slavery, while the other marries an Englishman and goes on to live a comfortable life. Each chapter, we move one generation forward to see how the past effects of generational trauma come up through the current day. This book is totally awe-inspiring. I was completely transfixed. It's one of those books that I've read more than once, and I could not recommend it anymore. And again, that is Homegoing by Yah Jesse. Next is Blake Crouch's Dark Matter, which is not a book that's typically in my wheelhouse, but this was just one of those really fast-paced, fun reads. The book opens with the main character, Jason Dessen, being knocked unconscious by a masked abductor. When he comes to, he's strapped to a gurney surrounded by lots of people in hazmat suits. A man looks down at him and smiles and says, welcome back, my friend. It's as though he's entered a different dimension. And in this world, his son doesn't exist and his wife is not his wife. And you sort of get the idea. If you like books that mess with your mind, like Memento or The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, then I think you will enjoy this book. And again, that is Blake Crouch's Dark Matter. So I'm cheating a little bit with this next pick because it's actually the paperback version that was published in 2016, but it's my show, it's my rules, so I get to cheat if I want to. And this book is called The Red Parts, an autobiography of a trial by Maggie Nelson. So Maggie Nelson wrote The Argonauts and Bluettes and a host of other equally brilliant books. This is nonfiction, and way back in 2004, the writer Maggie Nelson was finishing up her own book called Jane, A Murder, which was a narrative and verse about her aunt who was murdered many years earlier. The case had remained unsolved, and it was presumed that her aunt had fallen victim to the infamous serial killer in Michigan in 1969. However, one day, Nelson's mother called her to announce that the case had been reopened based on some new information. There was a new DNA match. So this reeled the family back into trauma. Nelson attended the trial with her mother, who, of course, had to relive her own trauma over what had happened with her sister. So this book is a memoir about Nelson's account of the trial, but in a more broader sense, it's about violence towards women in America. Nelson is one of our greatest living writers, and if this book doesn't pique your interest, I highly recommend any other book written by Maggie Nelson. But again, this book is called The Red Parts, an autobiography of a trial by Maggie Nelson. My husband is downstairs doing something with peppers. I don't know if I've talked about his pepper obsession, but he grows his own hot peppers, which he claims are not so hot, but I can't get near them. And he bottles them up and he makes hot sauce and he makes his own Tabasco. And if you are a friend of ours, you've had the hot sauce delivery fairy come to your door with his little hot sauce labels. But anytime 
he cooks any kind of pepper in the house, my throat closes and I feel like I cannot speak, which is a perfect time to record a podcast. So before we get to this year's favorite books of mine, a word from today's sponsor. With everything going on in the world, I can't think of a better time than right now to speak to a therapist. Of course, they can help you with the big things, but it can also help to speak with someone about the smaller things, like what may be preventing you from achieving your goals or what may be getting in the way of your happiness. If this resonates with you, check out betterhelp.com listener. Look, We all can use someone to talk to who can bring a different perspective. BetterHelp will assess your needs and pair you up with your own licensed professional therapist. You don't even have to leave your home. You can be connected in a safe and private online environment. It's oh so convenient. Start communicating in under 48 hours. That means you can start the new year off right and find a professional and affordable therapist to speak with about anything, including depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleep issues, and more. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhealth.com listener. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash listener. And now for my favorite reads of 2021. There were a lot of great books to choose from. These books run the gamut from literary to commercial to genre fiction. And yes, they're all fiction this year, not because there weren't fantastic nonfiction books out there. But if you listen to the show, you know, I mostly read fiction like 85% of the time, but in the new year, I am going to try and read more nonfiction. So my first pick is Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. It's taken me a while to get to this one because it's so very long, which should not dissuade you from reading it, but it is over 600 pages. And if you've listened to the show, maybe you've heard me talk about my short attention span. And when it's a really long book, sometimes I actually have to break it down into multiple readings. So I'll read 200 pages and then read a book or two and then go back and read 200 more and so on and so on. I realize this is not the ideal reading methodology for most people, but it's what works for me. So Cloud Cuckoo Land at its heart is a book about story. It's meta. And a friend reminded me that the story of Cloud Cuckoo Land was referenced in that Lego movie that came out like five or more years ago. I may be the rare bird that has not read All the Light We Cannot See, also written by Anthony Doerr, but sometimes when a book is so hyped, I get too scared that it won't live up to its reputation. Anyhow, Cloud Cuckoo Land is a novel unlike any other book I've read. There are five threads happening at once that span from the past to the future. In the present day Idaho, there's Zeno, who is an octogenarian rehearsing for a children's play he's directing of Cloud Cuckoo Land at a library. The rehearsal is interrupted by a young man named Seymour who's carrying some sort of explosive device. Then we're in 15th century Thrace with Omir, whose oxen have been taken away during the siege of Constantinople. And inside the city walls is Anna, a seamstress, who also has to steal in order to help her sick sister. And the fifth storyline is a girl named Constance, who is in a spacecraft in the 22nd century. What holds these threads all together is the Greek story of Cloud Cuckoo Land. 
All storylines feel like a Greek version of the hero's journey in their own special way. This is one of those books that feels blurry when you begin, but as you read the pages, all of the threads come together in sharp focus, and it was just an awe-inspiring, illuminating reading experience. And again, that is Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. My second pick for my favorite books of 2021 is The Sentence by Louise Erdrich, and this came out November 9th. This book takes place in Minnesota, and it's about Tukey, a Native American who used to drive a grocery truck and unknowingly committed a crime, taking the fall for her friend, and she's incarcerated in federal prison. She's released after 10 years and gets a job at Birchbark Books in Minneapolis, which is kind of funny because it's taken directly from the author's life as Louise Erdrich actually owns Birchbark Books in Minneapolis. There's an annoying customer in the bookstore named Flora who is a white woman obsessed with commodifying everything Native American, and she's constantly bugging Tukey. But then one day, Flora dies, and yet her ghost lives on in the bookstore. The ghost of Flora begins just as a nuisance, reshelving books and pulling stunts like that. But as the pandemic of 2020 grows, so do Flora's misdeeds. This is a book about language and the power of words and identity. And again, that is The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. Next up is a book that I have already talked about on episode 65, so I'm just going to give a brief synopsis because I don't want to repeat myself, and if you want to learn more, you can just go back one episode. Um, And this is Dana Spiota's Wayward, which came out in uh, July, and I just can't stop thinking about it, and now that I know about it, I'm hearing other people talk about it. It really wasn't on my radar, but... It's about Sam Raymond, who's just entering menopause, and she basically runs away from her family and her problems and starts trying to build a new life for herself. But of course, her old life uh, follows her. It's not a super plotty book. It's much more character driven, but I just loved every moment of it. Again, that is Wayward by Dana Spiota. And if you would like to hear more, then go to episode 65. My next pick is Hell of a Book by Jason Mott. And yes, I've talked about it already, but I'm going to talk about it again because it's so, so good. I talked about it on episode 58. And this book, which blew me away, has a dual narration happening. The main story is about a Black author who is touring for his latest book release called Hell of a Book, and he's going across the country to promote it. His character is smart and funny, and he finds himself in all sorts of wild predicaments. But He's also perhaps at first unknowingly soul searching for what it means to be a writer and what responsibilities he has to the black community as a writer of color. In a secondary story that alternates with the plot's main narrative, we meet Soot, a young boy who got his nickname because of the color of his skin living in a rural town who has experienced adversity even in his short life. The two threads kind of dance around one another, each one complementing the other, and they intersect with one another in beautiful, poignant, and surprising ways. This book is part satire, but also, which kind of confounded me, an earnest look at race in America. I just loved every minute of this ride, and I know that this will be a book that I return to in the future. 
And again, that is Hell of a Book by Jason Mott. And since I first spoke about this book, this book has won a ton of awards. So I'm so excited about that. My fourth pick is No One is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. This came out back in February, uh, February 16th of last year. And I did mention it on episode 48. Lockwood is the author of the wildly popular memoir, Priest Daddy, which I have read and loved, but I love this book even more. This book really stands on its own in terms of comparison because I've never quite read anything like this. I think maybe the new Claire V. Watkins book sort of comes the closest. Um, It's very poetic. It's hard to summarize and make it sound as compelling as it is because the writing is just so incredible. So the protagonist is unnamed and we know she spends a ton of time in what she calls the portal, which is a metaphor for online activity. And she's gained some notoriety because of her participation. Looming in the background are threats from an unnamed dictator and threats from climate change. And she delves deeper and deeper into life in the portal to escape reality because who wants to live in reality when reality is so bleak, but something happens and I won't say what it is that wrenches her out of the portal, pulls her back into reality where she doesn't have a choice, but to be in the here and now. It's an apt metaphor for our times and just a beautiful read. The form is written in these short, clippy phrases rather than a traditional narrative. It's a bit jarring at first, but then you sort of get used to the rhythm of it pretty quickly. And again, that is No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. And my last pick for favorite reads of 2021 is Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro which came out March 2nd. You are probably familiar with Ishiguro's names from books of his, such as The Remains of the Day and the ever popular Never Let Me Go, both of which you should read immediately if you haven't. In Clara and the Sun, we first meet Clara when she's in a store window as merchandise for sale. She is an AF, also known as Artificial Friend, that has been created to be a companion for children. The story is told from Clara's point of view, which is that of nascent child learning and observing the changing rules of the world around her. She's waiting, hopefully, to be adopted by a family, but she is of a make and model that has some glitches. So other AFs in the store are definitely getting adopted ahead of her. But finally, her day comes and a girl named Josie chooses Clara to be her companion. This story is set in the not-so-distant future where people are post-employed and technology runs the world. This is not a fast-paced plotty book. Much of the story is made up of Clara's keen observations of the weak Josie, in particular, who's suffering from some sort of grave illness. But also the book is filled with observations about humanity that are so beautifully rendered on the page. I felt teary-eyed throughout a lot of this novel. Clara reflects back on our shortcomings as human beings, but also celebrates the many mysteries and small moments that make life beautiful. And that is Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. And if I were to throw in a few more book titles I loved from 2021, because I can't leave it at just five, I get too excited about books, I would add The Rib King by Lady Hubbard, which I talked about on episode 41. 
Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. I haven't talked about that one yet, so I still can in a future episode. With Teeth by Kristen Arnett, which I talked about in episode 51. The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey, episode 46. The Mysteries by Marissa Silver in episode 49. And I just finished Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby, which I really loved. I hope you are enjoying the soundtrack in the background. My son is teaching himself how to play piano. I will leave a link to every single book I mentioned on the show. I realized there were a ton of them. Uh, And you can look for the link in the show notes. And you can purchase these books in my bookshop.org store, which is a fantastic way to support this show. Drop me a line and tell me what your favorite book was that you read this year at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. Or chat with me on Instagram at Jennifer Calieris. It's a mouthful, so you can also find me by searching Books Are My People on Instagram, and my name should pop up. Up next for me is Rabbit, a novel by Terry Miles. And next year, you can look forward to becoming a Patreon member, and I will send you bonus episodes as well as some other surprises that I have up my sleeve. Until then, I wish everyone a safe and healthy end of 2021 and a very happy new year. And I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish two weeks.